Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're going to talk about the need for and some options for low-cost housing. Our guests in the studio are Janet Tyree, who's the Section 8 Supervisor at Bloomington Housing Authority. Uh, Carrie Thompson is here. She's Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity of Monroe County. And Shannon Parker is with us. She's a Habitat homeowner, um, and she also has uh, lived in Section 8 housing, and she and her three kids dealt with some homelessness. So we have three guests with us. Uh, you can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join a live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. So uh, I'm going to start with Janet and and, uh, talk about Section 8 a little bit. I think people sort of understand what that term means maybe, but uh, if you could sort of explain it more fully. Section 8 is a low-income housing program that assists clients with a portion of the rent they choose a landlord anywhere in the community, and the housing authority uh, supports uh, approximately seventy percent of their cost in rent. Mm-hmm. And how does how does one uh, qualify for Section Eight housing? You must be income eligible to qualify for the program. That's the first requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are preferences that one can get when they apply, such as. Uh, if they are disabled or elderly, a resident of Monroe County, uh, receive two preference points. We like to be good neighbors and supportive to our surrounding counties, and those counties get one point uh, mm-hmm. for where they live. Um, and then homelessness, veteran status, working families uh, get preference points. And I'd like to point out that the disabled and elderly uh, receive the same preferences in addition to being disabled as a working family because we assume that they would be working if they weren't disabled or elderly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that's one of the programs of the Bloomington Housing Authority, Yes. Correct? So what are some of the others? Well, we have uh, within the Section 8 department, we have a family self-sufficiency program which works with our clients to um, give them access about education, employment, other benefits, could be clothing, uh, household goods, whatever um, that they may need. And then they work toward um, getting a higher education, getting a better job, um, getting the training that they may need, uh, removing the barriers so Mm -hmm. to speak, for those families that are inclined to do so. And that program, if those clients have an increase in their rent amount um, while they're on the family self-sufficiency program, the housing authority matches that increase on a monthly basis to create an escrow account for them. Mm -hmm. We've had participants that graduated with uh, upward of $30,000 from that program. And we'd like to see those folks go into home ownership in our community. Mm -hmm. And that's what some of it's been used for. We also have a home ownership program. We have 11 homeowners on that program. We have a, uh, what we call VASH program, and that's for homeless veterans. That was started in 2009. We have 60 vouchers for those veterans. And we currently are housed at uh, 39 of those families. We just received 25 more. We had mm-hmm. 35. Now we just received 25 more. So we're moving toward housing those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a different relationship with um, HUD and Centerstone for housing some folks of theirs in um, uh, efficiency units. And there are 12 of those. 
and then we work in collaboration with the city of Bloomington and the Department of Hand, Housing and Neighborhood Development, um, and they provide funding for us to assist an additional set of families, and currently we have 25 families on that program. Mm -hmm. So do you know uh, offhand like the total number of families that you're having an impact on? Currently assisting 1,380 families in Monroe County just on Section 8. Mm -hmm. Wow. Then we also have the public housing program, Mm -hmm. and we have 310 units uh, for rent in the public housing. And... um, those are ongoingly. We average about a 98% occupancy mm-hmm. throughout the year. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's quite a quite an issue and quite a big quite a big problem that, that you're working on trying to trying to help solve. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, you'd mentioned home ownership, and that's a good segue to talk to Carrie because Habitat for Humanity is all about home ownership. We are, Bob, um, and thanks so much for having us here today. Um, Habitat seeks to partner with families who want to help themselves, and we work with families that are between 25 and 70 percent of the area median income. Um, that tells us that they have enough money to pay an interest-free mortgage. Um, we sell all of our houses. Um, there's a common misconception in the community, I think, and throughout the world that um, when you when you get a Habitat house, it's um, like winning the lottery. You, you get a free house. Um, all of our homeowners uh, work what we call sweat equity. They have to be able to invest um, 250 hours um, on their homes and the homes of others or in our restore. And we work around disabilities and things like that if, if those are existing in the, in the homes. Um, but they have to make enough money to pay that interest-free mortgage, um, but not so much that they'll qualify for another program. Um, and then uh, they also have to have a need for housing. And one of the reasons that we tie in um, so nicely with the Section 8 program is because we frequently um, use that as a stepping stone for families um, that, you know, if they're, if they're very, very low income when they get on to Section 8, they can work on their income increasingly until they're ready to apply for a Habitat house. Um, but actually, there are probably a lot of people who are waiting for Section 8 homes um, that could qualify for Habitat right away. Um, so we're really looking for only those three criteria, your your need for housing and your ability to pay for a house and the willingness to partner. We, of course, take um, more traditional need for housing as well. Um, we, you know, a lot of the housing problem in our community is hidden um, when it comes to the housing stock. We have a great rental code in the city of Bloomington, and for those registered rentals, those are all, um, you would not qualify as need for housing for us if you're in one of those units. Um, But there are many unregistered rentals, we believe, and there are a lot of um, rentals out in the county and trailers that people are coming out of that um, are really just abhorrent situations, um, places that um, we you know, you and I would never be able to imagine raising our children in these places. And um, many families are just making do. And, um, you know, we we just moved a family, a a family of six um, out of a trailer um, that was technically was not a rental because there's a loophole you can um, you can uh, lease to purchase, which is a lot of what the trailers are. So it's not a rental that has to be registered with the city because mm. you're actually in, in the ownership process. So it's not subject to city codes and protections for it's renters? Not. It's not. Okay. And um, so there were three toddlers in the house that um, mom had to train them where they can walk and where they can't so they don't fall through the floor of the trailer. And these are the situations we see every day. And, um, you know, that family moved into one of our Builders Blitz homes uh, this June, and they're paying less for their mortgage than they were for their trailer. <laughs> and that is, that's just astonishing. And I think um, it's, it's something that our community doesn't really see. We, we're talking a lot about homelessness right now, mm-hmm. um, and we've heard a lot about the Section 8 um, waiting lists, but... People don't see how underhoused many families are in our community, and um, and one of the main reasons I wanted to be here today was to tell those people that are on the Section 8 waiting list or wish they could have gotten on that list, we may be an option for you. You may not need to wait on that Section 8 waiting list. Go go straight to self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, got, that's a pretty powerful message for somebody in that position. I hope that... The- Word reaches them. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think. I think part of the issue of homelessness in the community. I mean, it's it's so multi layered. 
I mean, there are a lot of people who just they may be living with a friend or a family member or living in one of these places that you're talking about, Carrie, that's an unregistered rental. And, you know, they, they're sort of homeless. You know, and technically, our schools would qualify them as homeless. Um, you know, if and you know, we don't talk about my children. Don't understand that they go to school with homeless people. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we don't talk about it. What we talk about are the people that we see actually on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but we move. We moved a woman out of a broom closet in a local convenience store. That's where she was living. And she got to live there in exchange for her 40 hours a week of work. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So there's no way for her to ever get ahead if she's not coming away with any money, just a, a, yeah. a, a small a place to live, if you can call it that. Right. Not from that job. Now, she worked another 40 hours at an income paying job, which was how she was able to qualify for our program. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Right. Well, our, our phone numbers, again, are 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is the website if you want to join a live chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Shannon, can you just sort of take us through your journey from uh, from sure. Section 8 to Habitat and, and the homelessness that you experienced? Sure, yeah. My family and I moved from Illinois to Indiana in 2001. Um, and... When we got here, there was a death in the family, and that's why we moved. So it was kind of an abrupt move. Um, when we got here, we had no place to go. Uh, we stayed with my brother, so we stayed with family. Um, and then, you know, that's just not feasible with with, with three children. And um, so we ended up staying at a shelter. Um, when I went to the shelter, um, I did apply for – that's when I got on the Section 8 wait list and things like that. Um, and then we kind of moved from place to place for the next couple of years. Um, and within those two years, we did apply for Habitat, um, and we were denied, which um, because people that are homeless um, do have challenges. I mean, there there are challenges. We had our own challenges, and one of our challenges uh, was that I had um, a loan that I had gotten when I was a teenager. I had started Barber College, so that loan was still on my background check. So we were denied, and I thought, okay, once I get on Section 8, that will be one goal that I work on so that I, because my goal ultimately was to get into a Habitat home. Um, so a couple of years went by and we did get um, on the wait, or the, they came up on our name on the wait list and we got a Section 8 house. And while I was on Section 8, I was introduced to the FSS program, which is a wonderful program. I encourage anyone to get on the FSS program. Um, they helped me tremendously. I mean, I had no vehicle. I was working part-time. I did not have any college education in my um, caseworker at Section 8 really worked with me on goals and things that I needed to And FSS, challenge. again, is the Family, family Self-Sufficiency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I um, had set my goals, and some of my one of my goals was to get a vehicle. I was walking to work and walking back home from work, and my caseworker really worked with me on that and introduced me to the Wills to Work program. So I was able to get a car through that. Um, she helped me with I didn't know I didn't know anything about college how credits worked or anything like that so she worked me uh, you know worked with me on that and I started school and and earned a child development certificate through Ivy Tech um, so there was there was a lot of things that they helped me with um, they one of my last goals was to get a full time position which I did at the Salvation Army I am the child director uh, child care director there at their child development center and um, been there for six years now and. Um, so the the Section 8 and FSS had a huge impact on me. Um, when I got to my goal, my last goal was to get home ownership. That was when I went to see Carrie and, and her staff, and I had paid my loan off and was approved for Habitat Home and moved into my home April 2009. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. That's really exciting. So, yes, it is. So t- explain a little bit about the process of building your home and, and what it was like <laughs> to you know work with Carrie and all the volunteers and sure. the people that come out. Um, I tell you what, Carrie and her staff at the Habitat for Humanity office are some of the best staff that you'll ever meet in your life. And I... It scared me because you, do, you don't know them, you know, until you go in there and talk to them and, and everything. You don't know them. And, and so my fear was I don't know how to hold a hammer. I can't go build a home. I can't 
I, I can't do anything like that. And the first day on on my um, site, when I was putting my starting my 250-hour sweat equity, they were so helpful. They, you know, they taught me how to hold a hammer and actually hammer the nail in. And, and so it was just, it was great. And just to see the progress on how um, fast those homes go up and the teamwork and the, the volunteers and everybody is just so helpful. And it was just a really good experience for me and my kids both. Mm-hmm. That's neat. So your kids got to be involved in the process, too. Tell yes. us about how that worked. Yeah, and not, not a whole lot, but, yes, they did get to come on the site sometimes and, and help out. How old, your, how old were your children at that time? Um, they were 12, 11, and 8. Okay, mm-hmm. so big enough to big enough bring to nails to people some, who yeah. need them and yep. just, yeah. paint brushes and put some paint on the walls. And so, yeah, and, you know, they helped – one of my daughters helped build the frame around her window in her bedroom. And so she talked about that for a while after <laughs> that. She was very excited about that. I would think that they would have come away feeling really empowered by yes, that. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful experience. Well, let's take a step back and take a little sort of broader view of mm-hmm. the whole issue of affordable housing in you know, Monroe County and in southern Indiana, south central Indiana. And Janet and, and Carrie in particular, can you talk about, you know, how, how severe is the problem? How severe is the affordable housing shortage? I don't, I don't know that there is a housing shortage as much as um, – there's a need for more availability to vouchers. The Housing Authority is set has a set limit with HUD on the number of vouchers that are issued to us. We've had 1,284. I started at the Housing Authority in 1997, and we had 1,284 then. Mm. We still have 1,284. Mm. We've, we've gained some vouchers through the VASH program, but never any increase in the number. So our legislators are... Uh, folks who uh, work on the elected side could work on that issue for us in this community. What I've seen um, is the numbers grow. Uh, The wait list used to to always be open. And what that meant was that folks who didn't have the highest preference points were never served. They could be on the list forever and never have any hope of moving into a Section 8 property. Mm -hmm. So we changed how we did that. We totally uh, went through that list, contacted everyone. The other thing that happens is your list is not fresh and good, so people have moved on. Mm -hmm. They've, you know, something else has happened. You can't reach them. So that's why we decided to try to open our list at least annually to where we could create hope in the community and that we would work through all those folks on our wait list before we opened again to offer more assistance and with the goal of at least getting through all those within one year period. That's why Mm -hmm. a set number. Um, Over the past four years, when the wait list, we first opened it for two weeks, and that was in 2006, uh, we had 367 applicants. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, we had 397 applicants, and we only opened for one week. The following year, we opened for two and a half days and had 504 applicants. So we could see that the need was growing ever greater at each year. This year, I've noticed that we've had many families who've lost their jobs, lost their homes through foreclosure. Those families are increasing in number as we speak. Mm -hmm. So, although we strive to uh, do a good job to work with all the families that we can, we are limited on the numbers. Uh, this year, when our wait list opened, uh, just in July, there were 400 applications being handed out. Um, we managed to process those applicants within an hour and 45 minutes, um, handing out all 400 applications. There were 24 people still in line, 
and we took their names and phone numbers, addresses for those who didn't have a good phone line, and said, we will contact you if those applications are not turned back in, which is typical. Mm -hmm. So we only received 329 completed applications from the 400 handed out. So we were able to contact those other 24 families. 14 to date have come in and picked up that application. So while we don't really advocate for people to camp out and wait, uh, it's really not necessary. We've improved our methods over time to process those folks quickly. People will always stand in line. I just saw something on the news yesterday about the long lines for voting in different areas and how people wait for hours and hours in order to be able to vote. And people's housing are very important to them. They want to be sure that they get in that line. What I noticed this year more than ever, and we've had an influx continually from out-of-state areas, Mm -hmm. and Mm. I would say that at least 100 of the folks who were standing in line were not from our community. That's a full one quarter. That's a full one quarter. So why are they coming to Bloomington? (laughs) Well, they're coming because we open our wait list on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. you know, at least annually. So So they could could be on multiple wait lists at different Section 8 authorities, yes? They could be. Boy, I would if I were under the, you know, in that circumstance. Who wouldn't? Well, the problem with some of the bigger cities that these folks are coming from is their wait lists haven't been open in 10 years. Yeah. So they're desperate. And so they're coming to different communities so, when they hear about it and and the words out there and it travels pretty fast uh-huh. so, so just so i understand this i mean and you're you're saying in a lot of communities that that people get on a section 8 wait list because there are only a certain number of vouchers and then the, so the vouchers are used but then there are people on the wait list the wait lists are never opened and the wait list is so long that for 10 years you can be on that wait list and nobody else could get put on the list Correct. Okay. Now, Shannon moved off the Section 8 yes. assistance completely. How long do people who finally do receive Section 8 assistance, how long do they typically stay? How long do they receive Section 8 assistance? Well, they can receive Section 8 assistance as long as they are um, qualified and don't reach a period of what we call zero HAP, which means that we would be paying zero toward their housing assistance. Mm-hmm. Even if somebody's income increases to where they can reach that goal, we keep them on our program for a period of six months in case they lose that job, they get less hours, that they would become eligible again. HUD requires that we still kind of keep track on that family for a sure. period of six months. Um, 50% of our clients are elderly or disabled. Those folks will be on the housing program probably until they die. So we're talking 30 years. Do do you have an average of how many years people receive assistance? I didn't bring an average, but I do know that we have a good number of folks who were on that program when I arrived there, and they're still on it today. 15 years ago, yeah. So seniors and what have you. Mm -hmm. But it's... um, after working in that field for many years, you can see some areas where you would like to see some changes in the regulation for folks. Um, I want to tout the success of Shannon and our program. She's one of our many success stories who's been able to move up. Not everybody goes into Habitat. Some people buy a home on their own. They manage to get their credit scores increased to where they can do that. Mm-hmm. and. We are just now uh, in the process of uh, having a new homeowner that's going to be going into a habitat. We didn't have that financial relationship in the past, but that's gotten worked out. So we're very excited about that, too, to create more homeowners. If you are elderly and you can qualify credit worthiness, you can own a home the same as a rental. We see that as a benefit to where folks might not have generational poverty, mm-hmm. uh, that at some point that home's going to pay off, mm-hmm. and it could be less cumbersome on our tax dollars to buy a home, help a person buy a home, and move them off the program. Right. 
but five years on family self-sufficiency, that's the guideline on that program. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have some families that do the five years with family self-sufficiency, and then they come back. They're just on the regular Section 8 voucher. Mm -hmm. We have 13 uh, graduates in the last two years from family self-sufficiency. It was a five-year program. Um, two of those folks are moving into home ownership. So, success. Yes, all right. That's great. Um, we're talking today with Janet Tyree, the Section Eight Supervisor of Bloomington Housing Authority. Carrie Thompson, Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity of Monroe County, and Shannon Parker, a Habitat homeowner who also lived in Section Eight housing and actually dealt with some homelessness. If you want to join us for the second half of the program, please phone eight five five zero eight one one. from outside of the Bloomington area or join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about uh, the need for affordable housing and some options for low-cost housing in and around Monroe County. We have three guests, Janet Tyree, the Section 8 Supervisor at Bloomington Housing Authority, Carrie Thompson, Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity of Monroe County, and Shannon Parker, a Habitat homeowner who also lived in Section 8 housing. Uh, join us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. The web address is wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, Carrie, the same question that uh, I had asked Janet before about, you know, the uh, the problem of affordable housing, you know, how severe is it? I would say it's a, it's a tremendous problem in our community. Um, there are not enough affordable units. Um, and, you know, I think vouchers is one way to look at them. Um, but what we really seek to do is move families off of assistance. And so our community as a whole needs to look at how many affordable units are there? Mm-hmm. Um, because what Section 8 vouchers do is make an otherwise unaffordable unit affordable for a family. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a in an economy that's a little bit unique. Um, we have students who can pay by bedroom for so you their mean this housing. local economy. This is local what you're economy, to. right? Yeah. We all know what's happening nationally, um, but I think that uh, many of us who are in homeownership situations lose track of the rental market in our Bloomington community, where we have students who are paying by the bedroom, and they're also willing to work for minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our our wages are low. Our cost of housing is very high, artificially so, especially in the What is the cost the per bedroom now? I know there's usually an, an average you can... Uh, the last time I ran the numbers on an average cost of a three-bedroom rental, it was nine hundred dollars. Wow, a month. And how how would you define affordable? Uh, at Habitat, we mm-hmm. define affordable as thirty percent of your gross income towards a housing payment. If you're okay. if you're at thirty percent or below of your gross income towards a housing payment, we think you're in an affordable situation. We actually will qualify you as as having a need for Habitat if you are um, above forty percent of your gross income, um, mm-hmm. because we we see countless families who are paying an exorbitant amount of their income towards a rental payment. But then they're having to choose whether or not they're going to pay their rent or feed their children. 
Mm-hmm. And that's an unfair choice for a parent to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we know that they are, they're definitely in need of a habitat home at that point. Um, so what we're seeing is, is an increase in um, applications um, that are, are qualifying as need for housing because they're living in a place that's somehow unaffordable or in tremendous overcrowding. We have families that are living, you know, five people in 400 square foot one bedroom apartment or even a studio. And um, wh- when we talk about generational poverty, that is that is a great way to set yourself up for generational poverty. When your children cannot find a quiet place to read at night, when they cannot do their homework, and when the family is so focused on just surviving that they can't even think about talking to their kids about higher education or what they're doing about extracurriculars to, to really build a well-rounded human being, we have a problem. And um, so our Habitat affiliate is, is taking a really comprehensive look at that problem and, and helping to train our families with support systems and mentor programs that will um, ensure that this generation is the last generation that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Shannon, could you uh, sort of reflect on what Carrie said about, you know, you now that you're in a Habitat house yes. and, and you know, you've had various living situations, mm-hmm. you know, how did things change for your kids and your interactions with your kids? Yeah, no, it, she's definitely right. Um, when the focus is on how, where you're going to live, how you're going to eat, it's, again, like I was talking, everyone has challenges, and that was definitely a challenge for us. Um, now, I mean, we have a wonderful house that, like she says, they can go in their bedrooms and, and read. And we have a huge backyard that they can go out and play in and, and a good neighborhood. So um, it definitely helps tremendously to have a, to, you know, and, and you don't just move into a Habitat house. Like she's saying that they help you after that. You know, they have um, mentoring and, and mm-hmm. um, classes and things like that that they can offer the families and the children of the families as well. Have you seen any changes in your children since you moved into your house? Of course. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's it's more it's more homey and um, relaxed than it was before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so Carrie Habitat, the local Habitat affiliate has, uh, you know, in my mind, does amazing things. I mean, you have a lot of partners. You know, you have the Builders Blitz, which you mentioned briefly before. You have the Women's Build, which you haven't mentioned, but it's a it's a big deal every year. You have the North Habitat. At Bloomington High School North, um, are we as unique as I think we are in terms of the local Habitat affiliate? We are unique. Uh, mm-hmm. The community has been exceptional in their support for Habitat, and um, I believe that's because we are innovative about our partnerships and about the way people can be involved. Um, our our staff always touts that if you if you want to bake cookies or if you want to swing a hammer, it doesn't matter. There is a meaningful place for you at Habitat. And um, additionally, we have really built our earned income, um, both through our mortgage payments, which uh, we actually are the bank. The, the homeowners pay mortgage payments directly to us. And so that is a big part of our own self-sufficiency. But our restore now, too, is a tremendous part of our earned income. And um, we look to restore this year to sponsor four of the uh, 11 new construction homes that we'll build. So restore is really becoming a critical part in what we're able to do. And, um, you know, our, our building rate per capita is unprecedented in the state of Indiana. Um, and we know that this is also the least affordable place to live in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. When you compare wages to average rental costs mm-hmm. for 20 years, we have, we've been it. We're the, we're the least affordable. And so I think the community's response is, is appropriate, but we are very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Talk about Restore. You guys uh, relocated not too long ago. Restore is, we're, we're blowing the doors off Restore lately. <laughs> um, it's hard to keep up with the traffic in there, frankly. Um, we did relocate. We're near the corner of Winslow and Henderson now, um, just behind the Village Pantry. Used to be uh, Comcast. Yes, right. used to be Comcast. That's been a great advantage for us as students have come back to pick up cable boxes and discovered that they could get a couch instead. <laughs> so um, that's some marketing that we didn't intend. Um, but Restore Restore scene, um, our, our May sales were double last year's May sales. Um, and uh, each month has been at least 40% over last year. So Restore has really become um, a, a really important part of our ability to meet the housing need. And um, Restore is all driven on the 
the on the great donations that come in the door. Mm-hmm. And, and tell so. us what kind of things you, you're looking for for Restore. Uh, furniture and cabinets are our top sellers right now. Um, so if you have, um, and, and frankly, everybody needs a garage refrigerator. <laughs> um, oh, and so yeah. people are upgrading to Energy Star appliances or just mm-hmm. want a new stainless appliance. Call us. We'll come pick your old refrigerator up, and then you don't have to pay Best Buy a, a fee to to pick it up and take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we can sell a refrigerator just like that. Wow. And um, and so they're they're some of our top sellers, washers and dryers as well. We'll take um, we'll take building materials. Um, you name it, it's worth a call to restore. And I do encourage people to call us before you load your car up. Our number is 331-2660 down at Restore because we sometimes do not take things that we have taken in the past just because we have so much inventory of them. We're having a blowout on office chairs right now, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you need a new office chair, head on down to Restore. Go to Restore. (laughs) It's a place to go. Our phone number is, again, 855-0811-877-285-9348. The web address, wfiu.org slash noon edition. If you have any thoughts about uh, affordable housing, some of the issues in in town, um, please give us a call or send us an email. We'd like to hear from you. This is um, a timely topic, I think, with so many people moving into town at this time of year. And I wonder what kind of special pressure that puts um, on this community. We talked a little bit before about um, you know students being able to pay prices that um, a typical family can't necessarily pay. How is how is, how is Bloomington unique in that in, from that perspective? I think that um, what what we see from families is that they they do one of two things. Typically, um, they choose to live in an overcrowded situation or in a place that they really can't afford unless they have something that they have been making do with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomington's very unique in this way. You know, our partners in um, Indianapolis and Lafayette even um, don't have the same student housing pressures that um, we have here in Bloomington. Why is that? Well, you know, you would believe that Lafayette would have the same student housing costs. Theirs are uh, actually a little bit below ours because they also have um, a decent manufacturing industry in Lafayette. And mm-hmm. so there is workforce housing there that we don't necessarily have here. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention, too, that um, some of the things that we do in regard to cost, our administrative director is Nikki Vaught. She does an excellent job. She... Looks when we we get fair market rents from HUD all the time, and you can set your payment standard somewhere between ninety and one hundred and ten percent of fair market. We realize because of the number of families we serve that we have an impact on that overall market. Mm-hmm. So we're very cautious about increasing the payment standard because we know that there are a lot of families out there who are not on programs, who are still having to pay rent. Mm -hmm. And we know that that has some effect by us keeping that payment low uh, as we can and stay within the parameter. We're we're averaging between 95 and 100 percent. Definitely we have to do 110 on our four and five bedrooms because we're in direct competition with the university on that. That makes sense. Shannon, when you moved to, to Bloomington, did you have sticker shock when you found out what the rents were here? I did, of course, yes. We actually <laughs> moved um, out of Bloomington. We moved to Gosport, where we found a three-bedroom modular home for 600 a month. Um, that was hard in itself because then we were out there with no stores or no way to, you know, to get back and forth to work. So, And you had a problem with, with transportation it anyway, so that yes. just exacerbated it that did. problem. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It did. So it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. So it's more affordable to live farther out, and yet you're that much farther from services. Yes. And it costs money, especially with gas prices being exactly. as high as they are, to mm-hmm. get back into town to access yes. s- stores and other services. Yes. Mm-hmm. I should also say that we're, we're talking about the high cost of housing. When families move into Habitat Homes, more often than not, they pay less for a mortgage with Habitat than they have been paying for rent. What's an average Habitat mortgage? Uh, they include uh, They include... Uh, city, including city taxes, 
tax and insurance escrow, right. you're looking at somewhere between four and $600 a month, depending wow. on the size of your home and whether or not you're within city limits or not. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I assume that when you look for areas to build habitat communities, and, and I, it's a two-part question, that you would look for um, land as close into town as you can get. And also, am I correct in understanding that you do look for opportunities to actually build a community as opposed to maybe one house here, one house there? We actually have been uh, trying to take a a very balanced approach to that. We are still um, developing a number of infill lots, just single empty lots within the city limits as we're able to find them. And that's always going to be our priority is to strengthen those core neighborhoods Mm -hmm. um, with decent, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. When we have we have been running out of land, and so we did build mm-hmm. our first neighborhood. Um, that is on the southwest side of Bloomington. It's actually outside of the city limits. It's called Cedar Chase, and we purchased the third phase of a neighborhood that was um, already under development. We have 36 home sites there, and um, unfortunately, we only have six of them left. So we've been buying up um, more infill lots, and mm-hmm. we also have a tract of land that we plan to build on um, starting in about two years uh, right on the Beeline Trail behind Opportunity House. We do always look for public transportation to be accessible. Um, mm-hmm. And I also should speak to a new program that we're starting. We're doing a pilot program uh, to weatherize and do critical repairs on existing homes. And um, so we'll we'll do a partial volunteer um, experience there, but also work with subcontractors to ensure that existing homeowners that are in deteriorating houses or, or homes that are tremendously energy inefficient can afford to stay in those homes um, with a much smaller investment from Habitat for Humanity. Do you have any partners in that program? I would think that would be an ideal program for Duke or Veteran to partner with you on. We would love it if Duke or Veteran wanted to partner with us on it. Um, this pilot year, we are uh, partnering with uh, um, Sherlock Holmes, who is um, going to help us with ratings. They have been so tremendous to Habitat. They do mm-hmm. our energy efficiency, um, our, our energy star ratings, and everything pro bono. Um, they'll be partnering again with us on this project. We should say Sherlock Holmes is a home inspection company. It's in a home home inspection company in Bloomington. It also runs um, the largest weatherization program in the state that I know of. They are the experts. So if you need an a energy audit or retrofit of your home, they are the people to call. Um, we also are partnering with the City of Bloomington. We have a CDBG gr- block grant to pilot this um, program. And we'll be looking at the core neighborhoods right around where we will be building the B-Line um, so that we can um, do a complete neighborhood revitalization in those areas mm-hmm. and invest in existing homeowners as well as providing some new homeownership opportunities in the area. That's really exciting. When I think about um, weatherization, I often think of CAP. Are right. you are are you doing the same kinds of thing that CAP is doing? Are you sort of working hand in hand with them? Or we um, we we will be doing some of the same things that CAP will be doing. Um, Unfortunately, when you have federal money um, that is federal weatherization money, you can't spend it on critical repairs. And so we at Habitat, we always seek to fill a niche that is not being provided. Mm -hmm. And what we keep seeing are families that are in a dilapidated condition that CAP can't help because there are so many health and safety risks in the home that need to be addressed before you can even even weatherize it. And so this program seeks to take a comprehensive approach with a little bit more flexible money. And uh, we we plan to track the data very carefully so that we can market this program to Duke and Vector and and hope that they'll partner with us in an investment in the program in the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is not a uh, linear question, I guess, based on the one before. But <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, it's obvious most of your um, labor is volunteer. Fair to say, yes. Yes. Okay. Where do you get all your materials? How do you pay for those? Where do they? Where do your just you know your two by fours and and your roofing shingles and all that stuff? Where does that come from? By and large, we purchase them just like anybody else does, and so we're proud to support local businesses and um, and be a contractor really. Yeah. Um, during builder splits, especially um, various uh, lumber yards and suppliers are very generous to Habitat and um, providing kind donations. But on our typical builds, we just purchase them. Explain to people. 
people that might not know what builder the Builder Blitz is. Builder's Blitz is a program where um, professional home builders come together with Habitat and they do what they do best, which is build a home. Mm -hmm. And they solicit all their subs and suppliers to contribute in kind. And this year, Builder's Blitz put four families in houses um, in just two weeks. Wow, that's great. Here's a comment that came in online. It says, I'm currently, I'm, I'm currently living in a Habitat home with my father-in-law and nephew. If not for Habitat, they would not have been able to afford housing in Bloomington. Habitat provided them with a home, resources, mentors, and instilled personal responsibility in taking care of the home and to be self-sustaining. Much gratitude to Habitat. Oh, that's touching. The writer raises a good point, though. If you have traditionally been a renter and your parents were renters and that sort of thing, you may not come into homeownership knowing that, you know, once in a while you got to flush the water heater and, and, you know, just those really kind of basic homeowner how-to things. Um, were they able to give you some guidance along those lines, Shannon, as you moved into your new home? Yes, they do. And then they, they give you a list of contractors, too, that you can call um as well as calling the office and asking any questions, they're always available to answer anything for you. That's great. The next piece of our earned income is going to be to run our home maintenance classes for the general public because... We, we always have volunteers who say, I, could I, I want to walk through, a personal walk through on my house to teach me how to change the filters and mm-hmm. when I'm supposed to do that. And um, really, I, I think our homeowners tend to be better prepared than your average homeowner. That's great. Mm-hmm. Here's another comment that came in online. It says, thank you, thank you, thank you for hosting this chat on such an important issue. All right. Um, I, yeah, go ahead, Jim. I just wanted to say, let's touch back on homelessness sure. just a minute. Mm-hmm. That the Bloomington Housing Authority views folks who are living with other family members um, or couch surfing with someone Mm -hmm. as a homeless family. Mm -hmm. So they are still eligible to apply and use that preference. Verification of homelessness can come from your minister, from other family members, Mm -hmm. uh, saying that you've been living there for some period of time Mm -hmm. because we realize that families need their own space. And one of the things that we do is, uh, as many housing authorities don't, is we grant a bedroom space for, chi- uh, you know, say that someone has two children, one's male, female, we'll grant a three-bedroom unit because we feel like they will stay there longer if they have the space they need. Mm-hmm. It's typically two children to a bedroom, but if they're of different sex, we give it automatically at 12 years old. If there's two boys, we still added an extra bedroom to their voucher assistance so that they have the space that they need uh, mm-hmm. while they're on our program. And we're happy to uh, partner with Habitat and also to let our families know that that's something that's available for them to come and apply uh, who are, are waiting. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a, we've got a phone call. So uh, I want to put on the headphones. We have Valerie who's on the phone. Valerie, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is not having to do with Bloomington, but since you have listeners from other areas, I thought maybe you'd be uh, taking my question. I'm, I live in Owen County, and uh, my ears really perked up when she was talking about the critical repairs component of the habitat because I've been trying for many years to get someone to help me with some critical repairs. So my question is... Um, and yeah, my repairs go way beyond weatherization and places like Area 10, you know, they'll build ramps for people, but what I need is, you know, basic major floor repair. And uh, Is this something that's, that's uh, a part of other habitat programs like in Owen County, or is this just something that Bloomington has, has uh, developed, this critical repairs component? There, there are some other affiliates in the country who are doing some critical repairs or some weatherization um, or a program called A Brush With Kindness, which does some exterior cosmetic repair kinds of things. To my knowledge, Owen County Habitat is not doing any critical repairs, but I would encourage you to call their office and and see if they have developed a program like that. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a pretty widespread need, I think. So if you have any influence over the the, uh, other chapters and that's definitely a need i'm not the only one in this position so thank you thank all right you. thanks a lot valerie uh we only have about uh, three minutes to go in the program so i, I want to give each of you a chance to sort of offer 
uh, a thought about how people can help. What, what are the most critical needs that you see in the area of affordable housing? And what could, like, an individual who might be listening do? It might be volunteering. It might be lobbying their legislator for a particular thing that you think is important. Um, Janet? Well, yes, lobbying your legislator for more assistance and more vouchers availability in this community. Also, to speak to those landlords who have properties out there that are vacant, that they can become a Section 8 landlord. It's a fairly simple process. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to let everyone know that Daniel Harmon will be your contact person in taking my position, effective the end of the year, as I'm retiring. Oh, well, congratulations. So, well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I believe he'll do a good job. We've looked at how we could improve the process every year, and it's getting better. Uh, but we can always use improvement. We realize there's still more room. But, uh, yes, lobby those legislators. Bloomington needs that support. Mm-hmm. And um, we need those good programs like Habitat as well. Okay. Shannon, 30 seconds. Um, I would just want to I just want to encourage people that are on Section 8 to um, use their resources. I mean, they have two ladies right here on this panel that are good resources. Use them. Um, bridge yourself from Section 8 to Habitat. Work with the Section 8. Get on the FSS program. Earn yourself some money. Set some goals. Accomplish those. And get into a, a Habitat home. Okay. Carrie, last word, 30 seconds. Involvement in uh, voting for housing funding is very important. At the local level, get involved in the planning process. The GPP is getting revised right now. Growth policies plan. That's right. I'm sorry. Yes. And um, go to Habitat's website if you'd like to be involved as a volunteer, a restore donor, or one of our other donors. Our dollars, 96 cents on every dollar goes straight to our programs. So you will make an impact if you get involved with Habitat. Okay. Thank you. We're out of time. Thank you to Janet Tyree, Carrie Thompson, and Shannon Parker. Also for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Ra, uh, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.